Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we are joined by Lindsay Webster, a professional endurance athlete based in Sutton, Quebec. Widely regarded as one of, if not the greatest obstacle course racers of all time, Lindsay and I spend the bulk of this conversation actually talking about her decision to walk away from the sport of OCR earlier this year in order to focus on skyrunning. But before we get started, I do have a few discount codes for listeners. Kodiak Cakes, use SINGLETRACK15 to get 15% off your next order. For Athletic Greens, go to athleticgreens.com backslash singletrack to get a year's worth of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you sign up for a subscription. And for Inside Tracker, go to insidetracker.com backslash singletrack to get 31% off your order through July 17th and 20% off after that. All of these deals are made possible because Single Track is now brought to you by a couple of sponsors. First, Kodiak Cakes. I'm super stoked about this, this partnership. Almost as stoked, I would say, as Chris Mako when he secured a similar one with them back in the Mako Show days. But seriously, if you're like me, your weekend long run is followed up with a big stack of pancakes and Kodiak cakes should be a part of it. They should be the centerpiece of that tradition. They taste great. They're whole grain. They come with protein. Um, If pancakes aren't your thing, Kodiak cakes is diversified. They also make great oatmeal, which I've incorporated into the weekday breakfast routine. And what else is cool? They're based in Park City, Utah. Uh, And it's just, it's great to be aligned with a local company. So Use that promo code SINGLETRACK15 on their website checkout to get 15% off your next order. Second, Inside Tracker. This company is awesome. You get your blood drawn, you answer a few lifestyle questions, you upload the data, and they analyze the results and provide an action plan with the most accurate, personalized recommendations about where you can improve when it comes to eating and, and supplements so that you can solve that critical diet part of the training equation. Think of it like having your own personal data-driven nutritionist in an app. As I mentioned, for the week of July 11th through July 17th, if you go to insidetracker.com backslash singletrack, you will get 31% off whatever order you make. After that, it is 20% off in the ensuing weeks. I will be taking my own Inside Tracker test later this month. I look forward to sharing the results with all of you. Just to provide insight into how I personally use their platform to guide my diet and ultimately to reach my training and racing goals. Finally, Athletic Greens. I started taking their AG1 product about three years ago, so in my mind, this is a long time coming. It's since become a part of my morning routine to ensure that I am covering all of my nutrient bases and absorbing all of those whole food sourced vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, you name it, that I need to round out my diet. Um, I think of this like nutritional insurance. It's lifestyle friendly as well. And it works for you whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, you name it. And it costs less than $3 a day, which I know for some of you out there is way less than you spend on your daily coffee. So it's a good deal. If you want to arm your immune system with that convenient daily nutrition like I do, as I said, go to athleticgreens.com backslash singletrack. Uh, when you sign up for a subscription, using that link is going to get you a year's worth supply of vitamin D for free, as well as five travel packs. So there you have it. Kodiak Cakes, Inside Tracker, Athletic Greens, proud sponsors of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get started, though. Lindsay Webster, it's a pleasure to have you on the Single Track Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
So I want to talk about OCR. I want to talk about your recent foray into our world of trail and ultra and sky running. And also, I know you've been on a lot of podcasts before, but I do want to ask a couple of specific questions about your background, just because in listening to other podcasts you've been on, I think there's just some interesting stuff to cover there. And the first question I have, you mentioned in a previous podcast appearance that your sister was an Olympic athlete and that just her influence growing up has contributed a lot to the way you think about training and competing and just adopting the mindset of being like an elite athlete. So yeah. can you talk for a little bit about the specifics there, like what she yeah, imparted on sure. you? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was actually just talking with some friends on a bike ride about this earlier, but um First of all, thanks for having me on. I said to you already how cool it is to like be on not an obstacle racing podcast. <laughs> um, so, so I know there's like a lot of your listeners are runners. Um, so yeah, I'm honored to be here. And to answer your question, yes. So like even when I was in high school, um, she was already working towards like sport, whether her, I guess, goal was to go to the Olympics eventually. I think at the time it was just to make the National Team Development Center, which is a thing that they have in cross-country skiing. Um, it's out in Thunder Bay, actually. So um, I would see her wake up at like, our bus came at, I think, 6.30 in the morning or some sort of absurd hour. And she would wake up so early so she could squeeze in a workout before the bus came. And then like, she would work out on her lunch hour um, and then also like after school, we usually had sport of some kind and she was like, um, very, I don't know, good with her nutrition. It's funny cause most high school students just want to go to the calf and get like fries or the cookies, the calf cookies are so good. And my sister, we had this joke that like, as soon as she opened her locker, it would smell like Brussels sprouts all up and down the hallway because <laughs> she just like was always eating, you know, healthy food, vegetables. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I was in high school, I would just see how driven she was. And um, I wasn't really interested at the time in being a pro athlete. Like, I knew I had some athletic talent for sure. Uh, but yeah. I'm not, I don't have like a type A personality. So I really just didn't, I don't know, I would see how much dedication she put into it. And I was kind of like, that's not for me. I want to go to university and like party for a few years and stuff. And I'd always done competitive sport, but I definitely not never thought I would end up being a pro athlete. So, but here I am. <laughs> what was a lot of her day to day, even though she was in a different sport, was there a lot of that playbook that transferred over to what you incorporated into your training for OCR? Cause I know with OCR I mean, yes. and I don't know a lot about OCR, but I do know that you have to be this extremely well-rounded athlete to be at the very top of the sport. So I'm curious. About yeah. That. Yeah. So we were lucky in high school to have some really good coaches who basically taught me like all the basics I needed to know for training. Um, so my sister and I would do a lot of the same sports, mainly it was cross country skiing. Um, and so I would actually have to like compete against her and stuff. And, uh, yeah, some races I wouldn't feel like too far behind her, which was pretty good considering how much, <laughs> you know, she worked a lot, a lot harder than me and stuff. Not like I'm not trying to brag or anything, but um, yeah, she obviously was like way more talented than me and trained way harder. But um, yeah, like I knew, I guess I had the potential always if I wanted to pursue it, but I just like 
yeah, didn't, didn't care to <laughs> put in as much work as she was putting in, but I definitely, yeah, I learned all the basics basically for my future that, um, that I use now to like make my training plans and everything. Well, I love the age old debate. I think it's in psychology around like nature versus nurture and just like the impact that environment can have on what you ultimately end up doing in life. And I feel like, especially mm -hmm. on the elite athlete side of it, depending on the environment, you know, someone like you grew up in what, what looks like hard work or not hard work, but like what looks like something incredibly difficult and maybe requiring a lot of discipline from like an outsider's perspective just feels like the normal course of events in like day-to-day -day life for somebody like you, just mm -hmm. because there were so many people around you that did it. And I'm not trying to discount any of the obviously extremely hard work that goes into what you do, but I just, a lot of me just wonders like how awesome it is to have so many similar people like that from the time like mm -hmm. you're born to like right now yeah definitely uh, and I think you know a lot of it comes down to passion too if you really like have big goals and you're so passionate um, it's it's easy to find the energy I guess to pursue them um, to put in the time to do it and stuff and I I think I just needed to find my sport like um, I loved cross-country skiing but and I still do tons of it but it's like it's kind of like a passion thing for me. One of my favorite things to do in the winter is just to go out and like zoom around on the trails. Um, but I just, I, yeah, I never like loved the sport enough, I guess, to pursue it at such a high level. And I never really found that in any sport until I found obstacle racing and then, and now running. So yeah, maybe you just, you got to find your, your niche kind of. Transitioning just a little bit, everybody that I have talked with in the OCR world in the lead up to this interview has said without a doubt, you are the, the best OCR racer ever. But what Thanks. interests me, <laughs> but what interests me about, and I mean that in itself, we could talk about that forever, but what interests me there is I look at your timeline. You didn't decide to become a pro athlete until your mid twenties. Like you, you pursued this corporate career. I think you were in marketing for, was it mud run? Uh, and, for mud hero. Yeah. Canadian events company. Yeah. Mud oh, hero. you did your and research. So, Holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate um, that. <laughs> oh, no worries. And I get, well, I guess the question I have there, because I, I don't think it, and maybe it has been asked, but I want to ask it anyways. Do you ever wish that you had entered the sport earlier? Or do you like that you had this relatively late entrance into the sport? And I mean, obviously you still made great use of the time. So I'm just curious there. Thanks. Yeah, I... I have no regrets, actually. I think a lot of athletes, like my sister included, basically went into, I don't know, pursuing an Olympic sport or like a World Cup career or something like that straight out of high school. Um, and so she never even went to university until she was like 33 or something, I think. Okay. And then she had to start building this whole career and stuff. And I felt really lucky that um, that like I have a career and a degree and stuff that I can, I guess, fall, fall back on once I'm done this, or, like, um, if I ever were to get injured, it's just, like, yeah, it makes, makes me, like, I guess a lot more comfortable in a way that it takes the pressure off, too, because being an athlete can be, you know, if you get injured and stuff, it can be scary, but, like, I, I just know, and I didn't love marketing, I didn't love a desk job or anything, but, like, at least I know that that will always be there if I need it to be. And it's something that will transition into 
whatever I want to do one day, whether that I have like a dream of starting my own cafe or bakery and like, you know, <laughs> I know how to market it. So <laughs> that'll be handy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but just some security, like we, I don't know, we were able to like buy our first home before I became an athlete and just certain things like that, that, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it if I could go back for sure. Mm. Well, I think where I want to focus the rest of the conversation is on your decision to leave the sport of OCR and to get into sky running and to start things off. I actually asked this question on Twitter a couple of days ago. I was like, is there anybody in any other sport similar to you who has both accomplished so much, but also is just like mentally satisfied also like that, like there isn't mm -hmm. anything else on your like to do list to check off. And I got a couple answers, but I don't know. I feel like you're one of a very few who can say that, um, like they've truly checked off all the accolades in a sport and yeah, maybe it is time to try something new. So I'm wondering if you can talk about what it feels like, I guess, to, to just do everything you, you could possibly want from like an achievement standpoint and have to look elsewhere to, uh, to create goals. Yeah. It, I mean, when I first started obstacle racing, I like had a long way to go. I, I had, uh, wasn't my first race I did like 200 burpees or something I came out of it with like elbow tendonitis so basically because I know a lot of your listeners aren't obstacle racers but um certain races like if you fail obstacles then the penalty is to do 30 burpees so my first race I think I did I don't know what the tally it was like 210 burpees or something absurd um and yeah, so like first couple of years, I just had a lot of work to do and a lot of goals and stuff. And then um, just sort of like check them off over the years and every year they'd evolve and I'd be like, oh, here's this new thing that I really want to try. Oh, I want to like win world championships as a big dream. And then that happened um, a couple of times. And then my final goal, I guess, was to like be the first person ever to win world championships three times and so that when that happened um it did take a little while I had a dream of doing it three years in a row but I didn't end up winning it um so there was like a year in there that <laughs> that um yeah it took a year longer and then there was the COVID year so um yeah yeah but when that finally happened last year that was like the last kind of one on the list but who what other athletes did you come up with that um have done this i'm so curious like i can think I mean, of you but. you have you have a lot of fans and like you were getting compared to like michael jordan for example what oh yeah no. <laughs> oh man <laughs> that's in my mind that's just crazy <laughs> i feel but, like obstacle racing is such a new sport i don't know i'm sure lots of people have something to say but the you know comparison and level of competition at like pro you know mba versus and you know i think we'll probably talk about it once we get more into sky running but i think and i had overlooked this but there was she was earlier on in the sport but like i do think you know amelia boone had a lot of success on the ocr mm -hmm. scene and then she transitioned over to trail and ultra i want to mm -hmm. say like five or six years ago but um yeah, it's interesting. I guess, you know, I guess the reason why I'm curious is because, and I think it's very common in our sport, P 
people really go down the rabbit hole of trail and ultra and it's like, you know, you finish a race and if you don't already have something on your calendar lined up, you feel like this deep lacking of purpose and direction and like, you know, like that post-race depression pops in. So is it for you or is it, is it just easy to, to be both like present minded and future focused? Is it easy for you to like find inspiration and create goals and stuff like that? Yeah. So so super easy I'm also a homebody so I have like a lot of hobbies around the house that I really enjoy like we have chickens and I would love to get like sheep one day and just like I have a veggie garden and then in winter I have all these other projects that I kind of take on and I have like a mild not really a mild it's kind of a severe like cooking and baking obsession (laughs) so um even when COVID happened like I had no problem to kind of stay home and like find things to do around here and I was happy and just like day-to-day motivation and training even just like running kind of like backyard you know FKT goals and stuff like that so um yeah uh but there's so many I think I'm blessed because I'm kind of a multi-sport athlete so it's pretty easy for me just to like find inspiration in various sports there's always like something that I want to do like I wanted to do a bunch of biking gravel biking races this year but then once the year kicked off I realized that it wasn't feasible to like do everything (laughs) so there's only enough energy to go around you know so (laughs) but yeah yeah. um, yeah do you see yourself ever returning to the sport of OCR at some point or um truly does this feel like like a perfect place to, as I say on the podcast, put a pin in it and just spend time elsewhere. Yeah, there is like, oh, that's a, that's a tough one because once I kind of like checked off all my goals and then I realized like I was struggling to find kind of like goals to motivate me for another OCR season, but there was all these other goals and different sports that I've wanted to do like I've been waiting forever to do the Skyrunner World Series like I think it's like four years now and this is the year that it's finally happening um so it's easy to make that move but then I I keep like doing occasional obstacle races and I've ended up doing what will be enough I guess to compete the whole in the whole like series that they have um just because of my like love for my friends in the sport and the community and stuff like that like it's it's become so much a part of me that um yeah and that's like I guess where my motivation to do the races is now but like I I used to be so driven because I wanted to like train for them to win them and now I'm just like oh well I hope my fitness from running will transition over enough and I'm still like strong enough to be able to do the obstacles because like I really just want to go and see my friends um but world championships is at the end of the year for obstacle racing it's actually in Abu Dhabi again this year okay. and so like my struggle with that is that um last year when I won it I, I like checked off that last goal and I I really like stood on the podium and said goodbye and like that was that was like it for me I really was standing up there and I was almost tearing up and I was like that that's it um this is cool this is amazing and now I'm saying goodbye. And yeah. this year it's like, um, so our friends have a wedding in Australia. So they're trying to like convince us to do the race and then continue on over to 
the wedding and my husband's going and the prize money is like $20,000 if you win or like even for second and third it's like 15 and 10 so then it becomes now it's like becoming hard because I'm like humming and hawing over whether or not I should go or not um but I feel like for me like I already kind of said goodbye and I like don't really have any I don't know I guess big desire to go but um yeah for all those reasons I already listed I'm like keep coming back to the decision so yeah I mean it's athletes know like it's never that easy um yeah so there is some mental struggle there well the the prize purse carrot is interesting because that I I think that that is at least in the endurance world like that might be unique to OCR because we don't have that money in our sport it all comes from sponsors like if you like a lot of this podcast deals with like UTMB in western states and like the bigger ultras or like 50k and above distance and like Mm -hmm. you win UTMB and it's like you just shake a hand and then like hopefully a sponsor comes knocking in like western states same thing yeah there's really good prize money in obstacle racing and they it's funny like a lot of the sky running girls who I could see would be like good at OCR I keep trying to talk them into doing some Spartan races and stuff and uh, actually one girl my friend Iris did try a Spartan race in France and she says she might go to the world championships too and she's an ex-cross country skier and they tend to do quite well in obstacle races so I do (laughs) I am trying to recruit the runners (laughs) oh right on I love it no I love it I do want to come back later in the conversation to talking about just like like the culture and where OCR is at in terms of like the sports growth because we're undergoing a lot of changes in our sport as well. And I think it's fun to compare Mm -hmm. and contrast, but uh, I would love to talk right now about what inspired your entry into sky running for two reasons. One, because I think similar to OCR, like I look and see brands like Tough Mudder and Spartan and uh, Rugged and Warrior Dash and Battle Frog. There's like so many brands to Mm -hmm. potentially compete under and similar to trail running, you got sky running, you have uh, USATF, you have UTMB, Golden Trail Series. Like how do you pick? Um, so, so I'm I'm curious why sky running and then why trail running? Because you could have done biking, you could have done, you know, there's just a lot there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I, a couple of years ago, I discovered that I have this like massive passion for running in the mountains and nothing kind of like lights my fire, like a training day on foot in the mountains. Um, I really love gravel biking too. And I went through like a big mountain biking phase a couple of years ago and did some competing in that, but I, yeah, I guess with this with sky running specifically, I think one thing that's always motivated me a lot just to train um, and be like a good athlete is, I guess, all the cool places that you can kind of access on your feet or on a bike or whatever that you wouldn't be able to get ever by a car or without like a good amount of fitness. And sky running, it's just like, I don't know, not only is it like the way, I guess the mode of travel that I love the most up in the mountains and stuff, but you get to see like all these cool views. You get to run across all these like incredible ridges and kind of like easy via ferratas essentially, but without most races, like you don't need gear. There are a couple that you need, like, I guess a helmet. Um, I don't think there are any that you need to harness or anything but it's just I I have like a bit of a fear of heights so when I'm out 
I guess just on a training day, even if I have friends, that stuff kind of like psychs me out. But then for whatever reason, when, when I'm in race mode, I just like, it's like my confidence and my feet and like the rubber on my shoes and how the train is going to react underneath my feet. It's like, it just like kind of comes alive and I can just like fly across these ridges um, without fear and stuff. And um, yeah, and it's just like, it's just such an incredible experience. It's kind of like hard to put into words. And I, I don't think I'd be able to like run like that if I weren't in a race scenario. Um, so especially when, you know, you know, there's other athletes around and there's like medic, medic stationed up there and stuff. Like it's just a bit safer of an environment. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, I don't know, I guess that's it. And I also find the sky running community is like, they're just really cool people. There's uh, especially a lot of runners can be like um, type A personality and stuff and like get really regimented and stuff. And it seems to me like the sky runners are like a lot of them are just out to kind of have a fun time. And it's they they don't seem like so serious. Of course, like you get athletes of every type and every sport. So I shouldn't like pigeonhole people like that. But I I just find that I like connect with them well and everybody just has a passion for kind of running in the mountains. So, yeah. Maybe also talk about what went into your decision-making process, choosing between sky running and similar series like Solomon Golden Trail, and even here domestically, like, you know, the USATF mountain running champs and that whole series. Yeah, I, I like, definitely all of those races are bucket list items. And I, a couple of years ago, I was registered for some of the golden trail series um, ones as well like I was going to do kind of half sky running and half golden trail oh, cool. um, I really wanted to I've always wanted to do Dolomites and Sears and Al um, and then I think COVID happened and that all fell <laughs> I think that was the COVID year um, so I guess this year by the time it finally happened I realized that I could just the way things lined up with my other races and stuff I realized that I could do the whole Skyrunner World Series which I think basically they take your best of four races and I was like mm. I can totally totally squeeze in four so I just committed to like the Skyrunner Series and it didn't leave room for <laughs> a lot of other things but yeah there's a lot of bucket list races that I would still love to do so yeah. Well, I know you've already, you know, in the past you've dabbled at Broken Arrow and I think you've done some North Face races in the past too, but mm -hmm. this seems to be like the first year that you're truly all in on on this sport. And I mean, you're you're ranked number one, I think, right? In the Skyrunner rankings, which is amazing. Right. Thanks. And, uh... Yeah, right now we'll see. Like, yeah, there's still some races left and I mean, I'm done now racing until the final so there's like a big possibility that somebody will steal that from me but that's okay I'm not like in it to win the series I was in it just to do the whole series so I, I'm like shocked actually that I'm come out of it in first well, place <laughs> you know either way it shakes out you'll be right up there with the best and I'm curious you know you've, you've done I think three or four races this spring and summer what have yeah. been some of the biggest lessons during that time. And I guess the other thing I'm curious about is like how much of the way you train in OCR transfers well over to sky running versus like how much have you had to like create a new playbook specific to the sport? Yeah. Training for them actually is fairly similar, but, um, Oh, 
so many ways to answer this question. It's it's interesting how my body's responding to it because it's like it's not like I've done much less strength training than I normally do, but my body seems to have like dropped a lot of my obstacle racing muscle mass and hmm. I think it's just different. I think like I do, you know, normally do so much obstacle racing through the summer, so I guess um it really kind of smashes you up. You're always like jumping off of the top of you know, six foot walls and stuff like that. And I'm sure that just like, and then hanging off stuff and swinging around all the time and carrying heavy sandbags up hills, like obviously contributes to how much muscle mass and stuff you put on. So like my training, I wouldn't say has changed that much, but um, yeah, but um, just like, I guess when you run more, <laughs> you end up <laughs> kind of like shaped like a runner. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but I definitely still have like a lot of my arm muscles and stuff, which I'm happy about because I like to be a capable all around athlete. I'm kind of curious there. Do you still see purpose for doing like strength training and even spending time on the bike and in, in, in cross training? Cause I know that there's a lot of coaches, at least in our sport that will just say the way you get better at our sport is like, you just, you, it's time on feet and it's running. And I actually spoke with your husband, Ryan too. And I mean, obviously yeah. he's well known for just being super versatile and, even when yeah. he's training for like running objectives, he's still multifaceted. So curious I think in his case, like he, like he could just run forever and never get injured. And um, for him, like cycling is, I guess, it, even if his focus is running, it's just a way to put an additional kind of volume and cardio load, especially if he's training for something like an ultra. Um, yeah. Just like he could, I guess if he's training for like a 24 hour race and sometimes he'll go for like, a four hour run, but then that night he'll just like still do a one hour ride and to spin the legs. But like, it's like, you know, getting used to performing when you're fatigued and like also just like spinning the legs feels really good after a long run like that. But for me, it's a bit different because, um, I think if I run too much, I do get injured. Um, so I appreciate like that all the different coaching styles out there and that, you know, some people think like the way to get faster at running is to run. But um, I guess my opinion is that it really just depends on the person, because I think that would apply to a lot of people. But I know if it were me, like I still do a ton of cross training because I know if it were me and I only were to run, I would just mm. end up probably with injuries and stuff. So, mm. um, yeah. And in terms of you asked about strength training. Like I, I personally feel like I have so much more power in my legs when I am keeping up with my strength training. So yeah. And I've heard that from other runners too, actually. I was talking, I did a race with, uh, or I guess an event with a girl who's on, uh, the Hoka team who trains at a Flagstaff and she like is this tiny human, um, marathoner, super fast. And she deadlifted, the shit out of me like she dominated <laughs> she like <laughs> made me look like I was lifting nothing <laughs> so apparently they do a ton of deadlifting so um yeah I just think strength training is uh yeah I think if you do it right then it can massively benefit your running I know that you had mentioned that earlier in the conversation that you prefer to to be around home as much as possible but I was checking out your Instagram and it looks like you were kind of living the van life dream while you're yeah. on the sky running circuit. And how, so I'm curious, how long were you out in Europe? Were you there for the duration of these three to four races or were you kind of flying back and forth? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard coming from Canada 
or like the U.S. I mean, lots of athletes all out there will know like how tough it is to fly to Europe, especially multiple times a year. Um, I find I have to, if I fly on Monday, you don't arrive till Tuesday because it's like, because uh, it's a red eye flight. And then Tuesday's kind of a write off because you're so jet lagged. Um, maybe I'll do like a little 40 minute shakeout run or something just to make my legs feel alive again. And then Wednesday, I can usually like pre-run part of the course and actually get a good workout in. And then Thursday before a race, I always rest. And Friday is just like short run with pickups. And then it's race day. So like really you have to go out like at least five days before the event, which yeah, it gets, uh, I don't know. It gets, it's, it's like a time suck for sure. But obviously when you're in a really cool place, it's, uh, all the races are in really cool places. So it's, it's not such a bad thing, but we have a camper van at home. Um, and I love living in the van. I just find it's like a really relaxing way to be because you literally have nothing to do except for just to like find a parking spot and <laughs> a river to <laughs> swim in and, uh, yeah, so I rented one while I was out there for uh, the duration of. I think I was out. I was just out there two weeks, so I just got home like okay. two days ago. Um, yeah, but I, the way I tried to plan the races was like I tried to like group them together. So I ended up doing two back to back, which I wasn't sure how my body would handle that, like recovery wise, because the first one was about five hours, and the second one was three hours and 45 minutes so it's just like they're not and I guess in terms of the trail running world it's short but for me that's still long still oh, yeah. getting used to this so um yeah <laughs> I was happy with how my body managed to perform and recover <laughs> you'd mentioned that uh you know, you were looking into the Solomon Golden Trail series at one point, and I know you've done stuff, as I mentioned, on the American scene before. What do you think your trajectory looks like in the sport? Like after the Skyrunner series culminates in the fall, do you have? Are you setting goals for like 2023? And are there other parts of the sport that interest you? Yeah, I have no idea what next year will look like. Like I would love to do again what I did this year but like a, this was the year that I was just like hey this is going to be my dream year and I'll just like do all these this series that I've been waiting forever to do but it I mean it does get expensive and stuff and so unless I like found a sponsor that would help basically pay for my travel and stuff I probably I would like pick maybe like a race next year that was really like a bucket list race <laughs> maybe like Sierra's and all or the Dolomites or something I don't know something there's lots out there to pick from, but I, I wouldn't do this thing again where I'm like going to Europe five times in one year. <laughs> if you haven't already been, Chamonix, France, at the end of August, the UTMB yeah. series is incredible, and it's now the OCC is their 55k race. It's now like the 55k yeah. World Championships. That would, I could that would be super cool to see you race. Yeah, that's a big bucket list item for me, and I know how stacked the field is and the. <laughs> My husband and I have always wanted to go to Chamonix. Uh, I was in, I did a sky race in France earlier this year and it was like right near Chamonix, but I didn't even go because him and I have talked so long about going together that I was like, I'm going to wait. So <laughs> I think he would love to race that race too. He'd probably do like one of the really long ones. So um, yeah, one year, hopefully. Cool. Bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to go back to 
talking about OCR just for a second. Because one thing, and I think you're probably noticing it in our sport, there are so many competing organizations and championships. And I think what the problem with that in our sport is just, it's not always, it's very difficult to get a lot of the best athletes from a particular event on the same start line. And Mm. I don't know a ton about OCR, but like when I did some quick research, I saw that you have Spartan, you have Tough Mudder, I think like Rugged and Warrior Dash. Is, is that a similar problem in OCR where because there's all these different organizations around the sport, like they're pulling talent in like multiple directions? Yeah, I feel like we have a lot of similar issues in OCR. So like I know the Skyrunning series, it's a series obviously, and they want you to like commit to at least four races. And then I think Golden yeah. Trail kind of works the same way. Like, and I know that they have a Canadian series and a few you know, do well in that, then you get to go to the finals. Um, So yeah, with the obstacle racing, I guess more historically, we had the same issue with different brands and stuff. But um, that's kind of gone away now, because Spartan Race basically like, bought out Tough Mudder. And so now it's basically like everything's under one umbrella. There is one brand called Savage Race. Um, Savage. And they have, like, really cool races where the obstacles are, like, can be, like, quite challenging. Um, but I think the, I don't know, like, the athletes basically, like, it suits different styles of obstacle racers. So the people who love Savage Race are typically, like, have really good grip strength um and work really hard on that whereas like the people who do spartan racers are like almost more runners who can also do obstacles type thing um so as much as it like pulls us in different directions it's also kind of like where the athletes want to be and if like i go compete in a savage race there's like a 50 50 chance that i'm not going to be able to finish it because i can't get through the obstacles and then if a savage racer comes and does a Spartan race, like they'll be slower typically than, <laughs> than a lot of the Spartan racers. So like, yeah, so it's, I guess it does pull us in different directions, but like people kind of find their niche too, where they want to be. So, um, so that works out. But then we do have, so like I was talking with other athletes about the issue with like, I guess brands also having a race team and sponsoring athletes. Like Mm. I know that can be like kind of a problem with Solomon because obviously Mm. the golden trail series is theirs and then they like sponsor these athletes who then have trouble going, doing like other events. Um, And that is a bit of an issue with Spartan race as well, because Spartan has like a pro team and obviously Spartan wants you to like wear all their sponsors. But then if you have, like, so I think Craft Sportswear sponsors Spartan Race. Um, but okay. then if you're, like, a Merrill athlete, then Spartan Race is like, no, no, we want you to wear this Spartan Race craft t-shirt on the podium. And the athletes are like, but I have to wear Merrill. So, yeah, so, like, similar similar issues, different sport. <laughs> I think on that same thread I'm curious now that you've had time to experience a little bit of what it's like to race among the professionals in the trail world do you have a sense of like what the similarities and differences are between being a pro in OCR versus being a pro in trail like do you sense that maybe there's more professionalism in OCR or maybe more professionalism in in trail I'm very curious 
Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so just when I was out in Europe, I was staying with friends of ours and I was like shocked to hear how much you can make, I guess, with a sponsor in running, but you have to be like really quite good and at the top end or, or else like you basically get nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know enough about how sponsorship in the sports works works and stuff, but it seems like, so an obstacle racing, I mean, I guess it's similar in obstacle racing because like my husband and I make a living off of it, but um, I guess we are at the top end of the sport too. And I don't know a lot of other people who, who do like, there's, it seems to be a lot of ambassadors and stuff for brands, but I think him and I are some of the only ones that um, really like make a living off of it. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's, I guess it's similar, but I think we we have like quite a few different sponsors. Like I think mm. we have probably like five sponsors who pay us, whereas in running it seems like people just have like one great big one, which is pretty cool too. So yeah, um, yeah, similarities and differences. Like I think um, obviously we have really good prize money in our sport. Mm. You probably have better like overall sponsorship opportunities if you have a lot of talent um and i think we used to have a lot of sponsors quite interested in obstacle racing but now i would say like it was kind of on this upward trajectory for a while and now it's sort of like plateaued or is kind of really falling so i think people are yeah you don't see as many new sponsors i guess interested in the sport there's this new there's this new like race series called High Rocks, which I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I call it like competing at fitness. So it basically is this like thing where you have to, you basically like hammer on the rowing machine and then you go do a run and then you like do a bunch of wall balls and then you go do a run. And then there's, so there's like all these different essentially fitness exercises mixed in with uh, really quite hard running. Um, and wow. that's like a huge thing. So you're starting to see a lot of obstacle racers transition to doing high rocks. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of the sponsors who were interested in obstacle racing kind of start moving over there. I hate to say it, but this is just being honest. Because no, I would love to see yeah, OCR succeed forever. But um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you just named one of the current challenges I guess in OCR which is like okay for the last 10 years it was on this really significant growth trajectory and I guess now it's flattening out are there any other Mm. interesting either challenges or opportunities that you've had conversations about in recent years that you think would the audience would be interested to hear about just in terms of like where the sport's going one that sticks out to me is like could OCR ever be like an Olympic sport for example yeah there is uh kind of like a committee who's working towards that and so actually it was recently released that now OCR is going to be like part of the Olympics but it's actually part of the pentathlon so there was this whole kerfuffle I guess where pentathlon something to do with horses um somebody like mistreated the horse really aggressively and I think it I don't know for sure actually because I don't know I don't know all my details on this so don't take my word for it but this is my take on things basically the world wanted to see like 
the horses removed from modern pentathlon. And so they took the horses out and they put in obstacle racing, um, which I don't think anybody's that so psyched on from the athlete's perspective. Anyway, <laughs> I know the pentathletes, I received a couple messages from the pentathletes and they were like, yeah, we're not stoked about this. And the OCR athletes were like, basically like we wanted to be in the Olympics kind of under our own umbrella and not as part of like a sport that it's like one of the events out of five like at that point you're not even you know the main <laughs> you're like so overshadowed by so much else going on that um anyway um yeah so I feel like it could be an Olympic sport one year but it won't be I doubt it will be like in its current form watered down kind of yeah a lot of the athletes who do it now like we love running on the trails and um like broken arrow sky race basically like our world championships was there on essentially the exact same course for like five years um so it was basically like broken arrow sky race with obstacles um and if we see it in the Olympics, I think it's going to be probably like either a really short course that's spectator friendly or like a lap format type of thing where we'd run it like on maybe like the mountain bike racers course and just do like five laps of like this, I don't know, the same obstacles over and over, which would be better than a 100 meter sprint in my opinion. But I don't know. Everybody has different takes on this. So teach their own opinion. <laughs> Last question I have for you on the OCR front. I'm curious for anybody in the audience that is interested in going down the rabbit hole of that whole world, that whole sport, what are some of your favorite podcasts or YouTube channels or uh, just interesting people in general that you think would be good to follow to have like a pulse and a sense of where the sport's at and where it's going, stuff like that? Yeah. Oh, there's so many good athletes that you can follow. Um, literally, I would just like, at any so Spartan Race has this it's called the North American Championship Series um, so I would just like look up any of the races and any of the top 10 athletes in the male or female category are like um, would be like great to follow if you kind of want to keep a pulse on it just look up their names on Instagram we're all on it <laughs> um, and in terms of media uh, obstacle racing media is run by this guy named Matt Davis. He's really, he's funny. He doesn't, he's like his podcast. He just kind of wings them and does very little editing. Um, so they're always kind of like a hoot to listen to. He's very like honest and, and forthright. <laughs> so yeah. So he's always a good time. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I just have a couple rapid fire questions left for you. The first one, what is a recent book movie podcast or other form of content that you have consumed that you think the audience would also be interested in checking out oh man I just finished reading the rose code which was a really good book I'm a bookworm I love books um, it was like kind of world war ii historical fiction about some code breakers um really fascinating read a lot of people loved it who've read it um if you could put a message on a billboard for all to see, what would it say and why? Uh, hmm. YOLO. <laughs> because, I don't know, that's kind of been my motto of the year. There's been, uh, yeah, like these trips do get expensive and stuff like that. And literally this most recent one where I 
flew to Europe and I raced two back-to-back races. Like I almost didn't go on that trip because I was just like tallying up the expenses and stuff. And I was like, this is going to be a lot. And mm-hmm. flights are really expensive right now. Cars are really expensive. Gas is expensive. Um, and I ended up winning both those races. And it was like, I got to experience two new countries. I got to make new friends and like hang out with, uh, just like develop better relationships with the people who I do know in the running world. And it's just like, I can't fathom if I hadn't gone on that trip, like how much I would have missed out on. So, um, YOLO. (laughs) I love it. Well, Lindsay, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say we're so stoked that you're in our world competing now. I'm super excited to follow the rest of your season and wherever you take this sport next, we'll make sure to link to all of your social media in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with before we go? I guess just to say like how special this year has been for me because for so many years now, like I followed these top running athletes um, on social media and just like admired them and looked up to them. And now I get to compete against them. And like the other day, the highlight of my day was um, Sarah Alonzo, who's just been like crushing so many races lately. She followed me on Instagram after my race. (laughs) And I just like stared at my phone and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So that was cool (laughs) yeah um so yeah just really stoked to be racing with you guys and share this community yeah i forgot to ask what is your next race where where should we be watching for you next i have a couple obstacle races coming up Um, one's the north american championships and then we have the obstacle racing world championships vermont but then after that i'll be at the sky running world series final in and that's not till October so that'll be like my my next big running race cool well hey we're excited to follow and thanks again yeah thanks for having me